Hello, I'm Pastor Juan Bryant from the Logos and Life Community Church. And thank you so much for tuning into this message that's designed to enrich, encourage, and empower your daily walk according to the powerful and divine Word of God. So join us as we listen and learn to a message that's already in progress. That's where you go when you want to hear what love is. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is this. Love is long suffering. Love never keeps count. First Corinthians 13 is filled with love. Hebrews chapter 11 is filled with faith. And by faith, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. If you keep on going down a little bit, it says, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if we, we know if we want to hear about love, we can go to 1 Corinthians 13. If we want to hear about faith, we can go to Hebrews 11. But I want to tell you that Ephesians 2 is filled with grace. If you want to read about grace, this is where you should go. Now, if there is no other word that a Christian wants to celebrate, it should be at the word of grace. When a Christian hears grace, it should do something to us. When a Christian just hears grace, it should, it should make you quiver in your spirit. When a Christian hears grace, it should drop our head in disbelief for the simple fact of what he used to get us back and how he got us back and what condition we were in when he wanted us back. But grace has a way of amazing me. And uh, I want to slow down and teach this today because in chapter one, Paul shows us his immeasurable, the immeasurable greatness of his power in chapter one. You know, the power by which God is going to use to to adopt us, to um, bless us, to keep us, to seal us, to sanctify us. You know, that's immeasurable power. But now he has shifted the gift to get us to see the immeasurable grace. Hmm. Now, most religions teach us all that we have to do to get to God. Oh, but grace <laughs> shows us all that God did to get to us. See, right, that's, that's shout worthy. Post that if you want to post something. Most religions show you all you need to do to get to God, but Christianity, our grace, shows us all that God did to get to us. And when you want to see a picture of grace, a picture of grace is not us reaching up to God. It is God reaching down to us. I'm amazed by grace. Now, let me go ahead and break down the lesson because I don't want to keep you too long. I'm amazed by grace. And here, here, here are your three points if you need them. There's a reason for grace. I'm going to show you that there's the reception of grace. But then I want to let you know that there's a response to grace. Don't think that God is just giving us grace for us just to sit there and be, I'm blessed. No, it's something. There's a proper response to all that God has done. Amen. Let's jump in the text. Let's look at verse 1 through 3, the reason for grace. The reason for grace. Now, before I jump into 1 through 3, I want to let you know that verses 1 through 3 is the bad news. I know the Bible is the good news. The gospel is the good news. But Paul is painting a picture of the bad news first. And I'm believing that he's doing this. And I, and, and I read an illustration from an, an author that says that whenever you go to a jeweler, and you want to see some diamonds or some stones. He says that he lays out a black felt 
stones of diamonds on them. And the reason why they pour out the diamonds on the black stone is because the darkness makes the stone shine brighter. So if I want to put a parallel here today, who we used to be in our transgressions is the background. And what God has us to be and how he saved us is grace. It's just based on and it's not until we can remember and receive who we were in God and who we were against God that God did what he did to get us back. Or oh, it makes grace look that much. That's why I'm amazed. By grace. So can we look at the reason for grace? Verses 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and the sins. Now, let me help you. The trespass is the specific act. The sin is your condition. It's the person. Because we were all in sin. So our acts had all were specific acts of trespasses. That's, that's what he says. And you were dead in the sins. And watch this. In which you once walked. Now, hold on. Pastor, why do we need grace? Look at the condition we were in. These are the things. And then he go on and tell us about the things that separated us from God. Write these down if you need them. The world, the world way of doing things. The devil and the devil's way of doing things. And ourself, our selfish way of doing things. These were the three conditions that led to our one destination that God had to overcome in order to give us grace. Let me break it down to you. The scripture says in verse 2, in which you once walked following the course of this world. Okay, what is the course of this world? Can we look at what the world says? See, the world says, go get vengeance if they did something to you. But the Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. The world says, you big enough to pass a lick, you big enough to take one. The Bible says, for us to forgive. The world says that I'll forgive you, but I ain't going to forget. But the Bible tells us that we are to forgive those, to forgive our brothers or forgive others as many times as God has forgiven us. He's saying that when we operate by the world system, actually, because we were operating by the world system was the reason why we needed grace. And then he says that it's the I, I just it's in the text. And then he says that you were following the prince of the power of air. He's talking about Satan. We have become sons of disobedience. And what we know about Satan, we know that Satan is a liar and the truth is not cannot will not ever be found in him. In the Bible, it says that when Satan speaks, his native tongue is a lie. So what Satan tries to do is he tried to get us to hold on to the lies he's telling us so we'll never embrace the truth God has given us. And he says that when you are attached to the lies of Satan, you can never walk in the ways of me. That's why you needed grace. Verse 3 says this, among whom we all once lived. Okay, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. First of all, Paul says we throughout this. He's including himself. But how about I just pull Romans where it says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory from the pulpit to the parking lot. We all needed grace. He's saying, let me tell you who needed grace. Let me tell you who qualified. Now, nobody qualified for it because if you qualified for it, you deserved it. But everybody needed it. That's why he says among whom we all once, we all lived according to our flesh at one time. 
I don't care if you never wear pants. I know, woman, woman, you may say you holy because you never wore pants. Or man, you said that you're holy because you never did this or never did that. I don't care how educated you are. I don't care what neighborhood you live in. I don't care what degrees you have. We have all sinned. I want to let you know right now that we all needed grace. But look at what he says. He says the three ways that we were separate from God. The first way is because we were doing things the world's way. The second way is because we were holding on to the lies of Satan and missing the truth from God. Pastor, what are some of the lies and the truth? You mean to tell me God going to really forgive you for doing that? You really believe the men that wrote this Bible ain't trying to control you? You really believe that he actually going to prepare a place for you in heaven? Why you can't see none of the stuff he promising you? Why it take faith? Why you got to give a tithe? Why you got to come to church? Why you got to praise him? These are the lies that the devil tell us. And when people begin to say, because right now, now that people are being allowed back into the buildings, the rubber about to meet the road because they're going to say, well, if I could stay home and go to church, then why I can't stay home and go to church now? That's a lie. And the truth ain't in it. It wasn't that you didn't come to church. It was that you couldn't because we can be safe. But now we are gathering safely. We cannot forsake the assembly. That's a lie of, of the devil. Let me tell you what else he says in verse three. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath. Can I, can I pause right here? Number one, what separated us from God, which why this is bad news. Number one is because we was doing things the world's way. Anybody else in here did things the world way? Anybody did things Satan way? I know you're saying, oh, I ain't believing in Satan way, but how many times did you tell God not today? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tomorrow. Tomorrow very well might be too late. Tomorrow. But then he says there's another one. See, on one, we could blame on the devil. On the other one, we can blame on the world. But then there's another one called our selfish desires. Look at what it says. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. See, it's some things your body and your mind want that your soul don't want to that your soul and spirit don't want to have nothing to do with. But this is the beauty of what I'm trying to get you to see. When we do things our own way. There's a, I wish I can underline it on the screen. It says, and we're by nature children of wrath. Let me help you. Children of wrath simply means that you were politicking and was about to get elected for God's wrath based on your disobedience. Because you was doing things the world's way, because we was attaching to the lives of Satan, because it was the world's will and Satan's will and your will before God's will. He says, you have now aligned yourself with my wrath. I know this is all bad news, but Paul is not coming just to do the bad news. This is what he paints the backdrop on to tell us the condition that we were in to show you why we needed Grace. Now, in Paul's writing, when he finally gets to verse four, he changes everything with two words. I don't want to say those two words yet, but I want to let you know your first point is there's a reason for grace. Notice down in verse six, it talked about the God's immeasurable supply of divine goodness. I don't I don't want to go too far, but I. I want to let you know that isn't it good as a Christian to know that grace has no end? Isn't it good to know that as a Christian that grace will never run out? 
Isn't it good to know that grace is sufficient and new every day for every moment? That, that's just the God we serve. And, and I just wanted to, to try to encourage somebody today to just let you know the grace that God has offered us, the grace that God has extended to us. Doesn't it feel good to know it'll never run out? Doesn't it feel good to know it'll always be available to those who seek him? But you can only find it in Christ. In Psalm 107, it says, thank, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his grace or his steadfast love endures forever. Second Corinthians 12 and 9 says his grace is sufficient. That means it'll never run out. Second Peter 3 and 18 says that we are to grow in the understanding of grace. Oh, let me pause. There is no way you can grow in the understanding of grace and not know Jesus because Jesus is the picture of grace. He is the epitome of grace. He is the result and the action of grace. Number one, there is a reason for grace. Number two, there is a reception of grace. How did we receive grace? I, I think this is the perfect message for today. This is the perfect message for tomorrow. There was an even perfect message for yesterday. Pastor, why did you say that? It's because it says that every day I'll have grace. You couldn't wake up without it, and you couldn't continue on without it. And actually, grace is a stalker because it says that grace will follow me all the days of my life. I, I wish I had to. Now, now watch this. Verse 1, 2, and 3, Paul has painted a picture that looks like bad news. He's painting a picture of our current conditions. Wait a minute. How about I say it like this? He painted a picture of where we were. And the condition we was in when God chose to love us. But wait a minute. I'll even go back. God chose to love us before this. Knowing we would become this. And still decide to love us. Watch this. Because truth be told, I don't know if anybody truly knows everything about you. Now, I'm not saying that you didn't tell them any stories. But I'm talking about do they know your thoughts without, if you didn't speak them? Do they know the stuff you do in the dark if you're all by yourself? Yeah, your spouse don't even know that. But God knows everything about us. Our thoughts, the thoughts we didn't speak, the text we didn't send, the words we didn't say. He knows all of that and he knows our condition and yet. But what if I tell you he set this plan up before you became this? Because it said it was predestined. He chose to love you knowing what you, how many of you said you was going to love your child? Oh, oh, when you found out you was pregnant, ooh, I'm going to love this little thing. I'm a, we say we're going to spoil it. And then they get big and rusty and laying around the house. What happened when they get arrested? Can you still love them? What happened when they get pregnant a little earlier, than, you know, get pregnant outside of wedlock? Couldn't you still love them? What happened when they get evicted or, or they lose their job? Can you still love them based on the condition they were currently in? That's what God did to us. That's the reception. And when you read verse 1 through 3, it paints a dark picture. Until you get to verse 4, he changes the whole direction of the text with two words. But God. Anybody in here got a but God moment? I should have been dead, but God. I shouldn't have made it, but God. I shouldn't have it, but God. I shouldn't be. Oh, never would have met. But God, everybody in the Bible has a but God moment. 
Abraham has a but God. Sarah has a but God. Gideon has a but God. Philip has a but God. Paul has a but God. All of us, because of grace, our story should have a contrasting conjunction that says, but when you tell them where you was headed, when you tell them you was falling off the cliff, when you tell them you was about to go crazy, when you tell them you were losing your mind, when you tell them you didn't know how you was going to pay your rent, when you tell them you don't know whether to send your kids to school or keep them home, when you tell them you don't know how you're going to make it out, when you tell them what I'm going to do when this hurricane come through, when you tell them how we survived COVID, it starts with, but God, but God. While I was still a sinner, but God, while I was running away from him, but God was running towards me when I didn't look like him, but God, when I couldn't pay the price, but God, I I don't know who in here got but God moments, but everybody's story starts with, but God, I I may even give y'all time to say a but God. Can can I just hear you say, but God one time? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But God, well, watch this. Some business is closed. Some people got laid off. But God, wait a minute. And because I got laid off, but God. Yeah. This is not just for the people that didn't get laid off, but, but God applies for the ones that did too. That God going to take care of them as well. This gives you the ability to shout in the face of your storm because grace amazes me. I'm amazed by grace. Now, can I tell you why we received it? First, it says, but God, right? Being rich in his mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Watch this. That's that's verse four. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. First of all, God did what he did for us, not because you did something special. He did this because he loved us. That goes back to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved what his orderly way of doing things. For God so loved us, so loved us, intensifies the love. He could just say God loved us. No, it says for God so loved. It intensifies the love. But it tells us why we received grace. Number one, it tells us how, actually. It says because he was rich in mercy. Does it ever show in the Bible that God was broken anything? When, when you talk about God, it's words that, that are used that you can't use for everybody, like abundance and exceedingly joy and his graciousnessnessnessness. Because it goes on, so you, you can't just say gracious, you can, but it'll take you forever to say how gracious he really is. And because of the great love, now wait a minute, you would think the rich mercy would be enough, but what happened is his love showed up like grace. His love showed up as mercy. See, mercy is the result of the love. Now it's easy to, now, but pastor, who was he loving? The people who walked in the world, the people who was under Satan's thing, the people who was walking according to their own flesh. But God, he was rich in mercy. Great love towards us. And watch what he did. In verse 5, it says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. Which lets me know, wait a minute, we were the walking dead. We were the living dead. Which means we had a body and we had a mind, but we didn't have no attachment in spirit. Watch this. 
Isn't it amazing how people can still be alive detached from God? This is a coroner's report of the shape because you got to understand he is describing the dead. Isn't that what coroners do? What Paul is talking about right here is a coroner's report of how dead we were because we had no connection to God. And what separated us from God was verse 1 through 3. The world's ways that we were doing, Satan's lies that we was holding on to, our desires that we were doing, all of those things detached us, but God. Look at what he says. Even when you were dead in our trespasses, in our actions, in our daily doings of wrongs, our selfish desires, our worldly desires, and listening to the lies of Satan, he made us alive together, wait a minute, with Christ. Which means he didn't just make you alive by yourself. You need to be attached to something in order to be made alive. So he says, the one thing that I see, if he would attach me to my daddy, the devil would have still had access to me. So he had to place me where the devil couldn't get me. Do you know the only way the devil can, the devil can't physically kill you? Because if he could have, don't you think he would have done it by now? So what the devil is doing is trying to get us off course and to cause ourselves to not appreciate grace. And when we know we don't understand grace, it's because he try to make us think the life we live in ain't so bad. Verse 6 says, well, it says, by grace you have been saved. Watch this. And raised us up with him. He seated us with him in heavenly places. But isn't that also the same place he left all our blessings? In chapter 1, verse 3 says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So isn't it amazing how he places us where he placed what we need? In Christ. And it's in Christ we are seated. It's in Christ we are saved. It's in Christ we are forgiven. For without Christ, we have no righteous standings before God. Remember, this is... Paul showing us in chapter one, all that we have, that we got it going on. We got a lot that God has given us. We have everything already, but we're walking around here without tapping into some of our privileges. I want to, when you have it and you have access to it, but you fail to use it. This is what it looked like when you are alive in Christ with all the blessings of God, but you never tap into what God has given you. You are walking around with access to things you never access. Paul is letting us know there that we got it going on in Christ. But then in chapter 2, he's letting us know the only way we got it going on is by grace. He raised us up in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming age that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. Wait a minute. His grace and kindness. He is doing all of this so in the coming time he may reveal to us his immeasurable, which means you can't measure his grace. I don't care how high you can count. You can't count high enough. I don't care how well you can figure out math. You can't figure good enough to measure God's grace. But he says that there's going to come a time where he's going to show you the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. Whoa, towards us. Isn't it a blessing of all that he's extended towards us? Wait a minute. It's not just towards us, though. There's a caveat. It's towards us, but it's in Christ. 
This is why you cannot know grace unless you know Christ. And that knowing is not knowledge to say, oh, yeah, I know there's a God. No, he's referring to an intimate relationship with Christ. And when you got that intimate relationship, he says you will know grace because you will know what he did. You will know how innocent he was, but you will also know how powerful he was. He could have spoke a word and it couldn't have been over. But look at what he went through. And then I want to say it again, that some religions tell you all you have to do to get to God. But Christianity says grace is all God did to get to you. Oh, my goodness. Grace amazes me because I'm a Christian because grace is nothing but the grace of God. Why am I still here? Grace and mercy. That's what grandma would have said. It brought me through. I live in this moment because of you, your grace and mercy. Number one, I'm amazed by grace. There's reasons for grace. There's a reception of grace. And last but not least, I want to tell you that there's a response to grace. There is a way that we are expected to respond. Verse 8 says, For by grace you were saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let me stop right there. Let me tell you what happens with grace. Write this down. Grace expects us to respond, not repay. Because before you respond, it's some things you need to keep in mind. That's what verse 8 comes in at. Basically, he's letting you know that what you received is not based on what you did. Isn't that what I say? For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift. Oh, hello, somebody. Because watch this. Somebody told me the other day that they gave me a gift. But I'm like, but I paid for it. So it don't sound like no gift. How are you going to give me a gift that I paid for? That's not a gift. That's what I deserve. That's what I paid for. So since I paid for it, you got to give this to me. Grace is not like that. Grace is not set up that way. This is what he says. There is no work you can do that will repay grace. This is Paul's way of saying, don't get so caught up in the works that, that, that the, um, the Pharisees were talking about and the scribes were saying that we got to do the work of the law and you got to do all of these things so you can be saved. No, he's saying that we should have an overwhelming sense of gratitude because we are saved. I serve not to be saved. I serve God because I am. This is a gift from God. I remember one time, I know this don't mean anything to nobody but me. I remember one time, Sister Booker came to the house. All she had in her hand was one bag of Jolly Time popcorn. That's what Jolly, yes. Yes, Lord, Jolly Time popcorn. And I said, how much I owe you? She said, oh, nothing, Pastor. I just got this for you. Not because I did something. Not because I said something. Because she loved me, I assume. <laughs> But have somebody just ever been thinking about you enough to say, I want to do something special to show them how much I love? It could be something small. I remember when my wife and I was early in our marriage and we was doing stuff for each other and buying gifts. And it got to a point to where the big gifts wasn't impressing her anymore. And then one year, I don't know if it was Mother's Day, no, Valentine's Day, I, she goes and gets 
a big, huge bag of Skittles. And she goes and buy a glass heart and takes her time to pick out all the red ones. Because them really the only ones I eat. Everything else I throw away. And filled it up with red Skittles. And when she gave that to me, I said, look at this right here. What is, why did you, watch this, why did you go through all of this trouble for me? <laughs> she said, this, this is just how I love you. This is what I'm willing to do. This is what I'm willing to go through to show you how much I love you. Now, the little bitty glass heart does not compare to the heart that was broken on Calvary for you. Of all that Jesus went through to show us how much he loves you. All that Jesus went through to prove that God the Father still loves you. Even though you were in the scopes of his wrath, Jesus pulled down the weapon and said, Daddy, I know you still love him. I know you still love me. And he says, every day that I allow you to wake up is proof. That I still love you. Every day you are waked up in your right mind is proof. Yeah, yeah. Verse, verse 9 says that this is not based on works. Not a result of your works. So that no one may boast. You cannot sit here and say I deserved what God did for me. You can't sit here and say this is God paying me back. For the work that I got to do for him. You got to understand that we are dependent on God. We're not working for God. We are serving him because of how he loved us. And we're serving him trying to encourage others that that same love is available for them. Come home. Because daddy still loves you. Watch this. In this relationship, I'll just tell you that daddy said he's sorry. But not here. God don't have to say he's sorry, but he'll still say he forgives you. He don't have to say he's sorry, but he'll still say he loves you. He don't have to say he's sorry, but he'll still say, come home. And I've left you something. And I left it in Christ. And I left it by faith. And I use grace to plant it. But you won't have access to it and you won't appreciate how amazing grace is until you see where I brought you from. Every time you hear somebody's story, and I'm, I'm done, God is good. Grace is God doing for us, not for us doing for God. Grace is something that we don't deserve, we cannot repay, and we can never earn. That's grace. You cannot repay it, you can never earn it, and you can never deserve it. I just dare you for a moment to think of the condition that you were in. He says, while you was yet still a sinner... In some versions, it says, while we were yet still enemies. How many of your enemies you would die for? Ain't nobody going around here dying for enemies. <laughs> but God, he sent his son to die for those that was despising him, died for those that ran from him, died for those that failed to look like him, died for those that failed to see. And watch this. Even when you read through the book of Deuteronomy and you see all that he went through to prove his love to them, they was hungry, he fed them. They was thirsty, he gave them drink. He says, did your clothes, not, did your clothes wear out? Did your shoes wear out? Did I not feed you? Did I not take care of you? Did I not protect you? Did I not show you my miracles and my signs and all this love? Did I not extend mercy? Did I not extend grace to you? But you still walked away from me. 
I'm amazed by grace. Because in today's world, you only get what you deserve. But in God's world, in God's sight, you get what he extends. Remember, grace is not us reaching up for God. Grace is God reaching down for us. This is what Paul wanted them to see. And Paul opens up by reminding them where you came from. And then encouraging them on what you got to look forward to. On what has already been done. Will you in here or will you on Facebook allow Jesus' death to go in vain all because you just don't believe all because you believe the lies of the devil. That yeah, he died and yeah, well they said he got up, but can't nobody like really measure it or prove it, even though it's written that they had witnesses that saw him, that he showed the scar in his hand and the stab wound on his side. Will we be the ones that extend God's grace? Well, Pastor, how do I extend God's grace? It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. But then it tells us how we were created. I mean, why we was created. For good works. Well, what's our response to grace? That we shall walk in it. Walk in what? The good works that God has already prepared. When did he prepare it? Beforehand. He prepared it beforehand. He left everything you need to do it in Christ. And he gave us grace because you didn't deserve it. You can't repay it. All he's asking you to do is be so overwhelmed by what he was willing to do to get you back. The price he was willing to pay to get you back enough to serve him. And to share your story with someone else. And make sure your story start out by the bad condition you was in. You know how when you tell people your testimony, your testimony never start with where you are now because the testimony sounds better when you build it up. You know, I was homeless or I used to be, like I came from a good home. You know, they didn't do drugs or stuff, but I fell into drugs. You know, you know how, we, how, how we build it up. And then it gets to a point where it says, but God. Now, the reason why you have to tell the bad news is because all of us have that in common. But then we also got something else in common, the but God. The issue is how do you respond to the but God? How do you respond to a grace that's so amazing? And he says the way that we are to respond is by good works. Is by making sure we share the story of all Christ did for us. And that it's available for any. It says if any man shall call upon the name of the Lord, he shall be saved. I don't know about you. But my mind can't even fathom it. So the only word that I can give you is that I'm just amazed by grace. And if this grace amazed you and you have yet to be baptized and you have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you have yet to receive God into your heart. This is for you. I want to extend grace to you. Pastor, you can extend God's grace. No, I'm letting you know it's available. It's already extended. It's available. It's already extended. Will you receive and walk into this grace that God has already given us? But this is the thing. In order to get it, it's in Christ. 
you must receive all that his son has done and pursue an intimate relationship with the son. Get to know him. Read about him. Spend time with him. Talk to him. Ask for him to enter into your heart. Ask for him to change your life. Ask for him to lead you on the way. And I truly believe if you do that sincerely, God will enter into your heart and he will allow his word to be a lamp into your feet and a light into your path. And that path will lead you into the heavenly places. Hello again, this is Faith. Thank you so much for allowing us to share the word of God with you today. But if you would like to witness a live presentation of the word of God, join us Sunday mornings at 1045 at the Logos and Life Community Church. 8805 Juwella Avenue, Suite 121 in Shreveport, Louisiana. And again, we say thank you. And we pray that the word you received was a blessing and an enhancement to your life. And may God continue to bless you. This is our prayer.